0: Maybe you've heard phrases like intercessory prayer or prayer and fasting. Maybe that kind of prayer seems out of reach to you, an activity that only spiritual elites can engage in. Well, Brother Kevin shows us how prayer and fasting for lost people can become a weekly occurrence. Something every one of us can do.
1: On uh, Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings, I don't eat breakfast. So that means I'm hungry in the morning. Hmm, why am I hungry? Oh, Wednesday. It's my day to remember to pray for Hindu people. Oh, Friday morning. Ah, kind of hungry. It's 10 o'clock. Oh, right. Pray for Muslim people. It's Friday. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path.
0: Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio. My name is Todd Nettleton, and I am in the studio today with Brother Kevin. He is one of our guests that we're we are we're only going to use a first name. He is part of the leadership team of YWAM Frontier Missions. YWAM is Youth With a Mission. If you are not familiar, they are one of our strategic partners here at Voice of the Martyrs. And Brother Kevin has actually been with us before here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. So welcome back to VOM Radio.
1: Thanks, Todd. It's good to be back.
0: Uh, Kevin, let's talk about your personal story. How did God get a hold of you Mm. as a person, Mm. but then how did he point you in the direction of, I want you to go to other countries and other cultures and talk to people who don't know me?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in San Francisco in a uh, non-Christian family, but uh, in my— years, I got involved in a hippie movement that was big in San Francisco back then. So this was in the late 60s. And um, with that, I I had a spiritual hunger. You know, I was interested in uh, spirituality. And I didn't realize I'd heard about Jesus, but I didn't know anything about Jesus really. And I was disillusioned by my perception of what Christians were like and what the church was like. My perception, you know, right. like 17 years old, I yeah. had, you know, couldn't know all about it. But anyway, I had the spiritual hunger, and, and I, it, that uh, kind of led me into looking into Hinduism and Buddhism, in particular transcendental meditation in Zen Buddhism. And, and I got very involved in that, and I thought maybe that was the path of enlightenment, and that drew me. I want to be spiritually enlightened. But on one occasion, I had this experience, this spiritual experience, where I was so frightened that I began to shake. I was literally shaking in fear, and it didn't make sense to me, this this evil presence. In the midst of my fear, I said, Jesus, help me. And as soon as I said that, I just felt this peace literally flow through my body, from my head, through my whole body, peace. And the fear was gone. And a few hours later, late in the night, I went into my room and I thought to myself, what happened? This, This fear I had? And then the fear was gone. I had peace. Oh, I said, Jesus, help me. Could it be that Jesus helped me, that that there was something to that, that Jesus responded to this request? So I had to know. So I got on my knees next to my bed, and I put my hands together in the way I thought Christians prayed on their knees with their hands together, and, and I said, Jesus, if you're real, please prove it to me. So the next day, I was a university student, the next day, I was walking across Campus. And I couldn't think of anything aside from, like, the devil and Jesus, like the spiritual evil and Jesus in my head. And in the midst of, of this, I was walking through the middle of the campus, and uh, there was a man distributing Bibles. So I took this little Cadence Bible— And immediately I walked over to a bench and I opened it up and my eyes fell on the left-hand page, the middle of the page. And there were a couple of sentences there and I read them. And it was about Jesus casting a demon out of somebody. And they were crazy before and suddenly they're normal. That's kind of like what happened to me (laughs) last night. Wow. So I kept reading, kept reading for months. And uh, finally I got to the point where I believe this. I believe Uh, I want Jesus in my life. I said, Jesus, please forgive me. I want you on my life. From then on, my life transformed. I mean, on the spot. Uh I knew something was different. And I've loved Jesus and have enjoyed his fellowship with him and following him ever since that happened to me. How how that impacts me now is I had just a taste of what it's like in a, a different spirituality and kind of a bit of a Hindu worldview and a bit of a Buddhist worldview, the kind that somebody would have growing up with that. But still, I had this experience and a, a very spiritually dark experience, and I was—I went from darkness into the light. And I want other people to have that experience with God as well, to come well, to know Jesus. Was that
0: instantaneous? Just all, as soon as you accepted Christ, you just instantaneously was like, hey, I got to tell everyone about this?
1: Uh, Well, it was instantaneous that everything was different or that so much was different. Um, But it took me a while to know how to tell Mm -hmm. others about it. And I I had my ups and downs in that. I I really, looking back, I wish I would have had somebody that could have uh, helped me know how to uh, communicate to other people what had happened to me. So I made a lot of mistakes because in my excitement about Jesus— I came across really weird to many of my <laughs> friends, and they didn't want to be around me anymore. And I probably was weird, but they were weird too in a different right, way. Right. But I, I didn't know how to communicate it well and to listen to them and, and kind of like start from where they're at because I was there too and to kind of take them through a process that – Similar to what I went through, I just wanted to tell them everything that I knew, and the more I knew, the more I wanted to tell people, <laughs> and and I've discovered that isn't as effective uh, as as it could be to communicate my faith with, with people. So I, I've I was. Eventually, I was able to learn how to tell my story briefly and then how to tell uh, God's story briefly in a way that uh, people can understand and ask them questions. What do you think about this? How can I pray for you? That, so it's more interaction. A more conversational. Right, back yeah. and forth and, and praying for them and seeing God work in their lives. Right. I guess me, I've been a Christian for about three years when uh, I heard about the Muslim world. And that there, at that point, there were like a billion Muslim people who didn't know the truth about Jesus. And unlike somebody growing up in America, like I had, where I heard some things about Jesus, some of them have not heard about him or they've heard things about him that are misleading Mm -hmm. and confusing. So they, they don't know who he really is. So, oh, my, when I heard about that, literally I felt my heart beating in my chest, you know. It was during a chapel service. Oh, my goodness, I, I'd never heard this before. What, is there something I should do about this? At that point, I was married. My wife and I both talked to the, the person who was speaking during a chapel service, and he told us more about what he was doing and his involvement in the Middle East. And we're thinking, maybe this is something that God has for us. Like, we, we'd never— Imagine that before, but that got us moving in this, the direction that we're still going in. Yeah.
0: <laughs> these All these years later, still going that direction. Yeah. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Kevin. He is one of the leaders of YWAM Frontier Missions. Kevin, what is Frontier Missions within YWAM? What is the focus of your particular area within the sort of broader YWAM family?
1: Right. That, that's one good way to uh, describe. YWAM is like a family, a very big family. You know, we have, I don't know, 20,000 family members or more. It's like with a really large extended family, there are smaller family units. So our particular front family within YWAM is made up of people who, like our fam, part of the family business, is focusing on people that are on the frontiers of the gospel. Mm-hmm. That's why we call it frontier missions. In other words, the gospel has gotten so far, but then there's the frontiers, and right. and we want to go beyond that to to the places where people haven't heard yet, and that's our focus. And there are, you know, billions of people that still haven't heard the gospel in a way they can understand, and. Uh, Many of them are uh, Hindu or Buddhist or uh, Muslim or tribal groups. They haven't heard the gospel yet, and we want to get to them and communicate it in a way they can understand and to make disciples of all those who say, yes, I want to follow Jesus, help them to become obedient disciples, and then to help them get vision for reaching other people, and, and maybe like help them through the process that I struggled with as a new believer a believer. How do I tell do I, someone? Exactly. How do I, how do I tell somebody <laughs> yeah. this? Well, don't do what I did originally. Here's a better way. Yeah.
0: So what I hear is, if we're on the frontiers, if we're on places where nobody's heard, we're probably also in places where there's persecution, where uh, the message may not be welcome when it arrives.
1: Yes, definitely. In each of these religious groups, there are sometimes radical communities and radical groups and individuals, you know. And it can be true even in the Christian world. There can be some oddballs here and there, you know, uh, sadly. But within Buddhist communities, Hindu communities, Muslim communities, there can be religious people who are very opposed and feel threatened. Maybe it's based on misunderstanding. Maybe it's based on bad experiences in the past. Who, Whatever. I, I've I've been in this leadership role uh, for about nine years now, uh, this current uh, position that I'm in. When I first came into it, I think it was just uh, – I'd been in it maybe – Three years when we first did this interview. I think it's, hey, 2015. 2015 was the first time we talked, yeah. So I was the international leader, director of our branch of uh, of Wyoming Frontier Missions. And I already had felt within the first six months that I'd gone through the gauntlet. I couldn't, this isn't what I thought I was signing up for. (laughs) One of our guys was, uh, Uh, He was Somali working on the uh, border of Somalia and Kenya. They lived—he and his wife and children lived in Kenya. He was actively involved in reaching Somali people. And uh, during the time of just where I'm just getting involved in taking this role, he was shot dead on the street. Wow. And that was, you know— traumatic for everybody. Oh, wow, this is life and death here. And shortly after that, two other uh, members of our um, movement, one from South Africa, another from Egypt, were arrested uh, in a a North Africa country and uh, put in prison, both of them. I I can say for uh, one of them, I met him later, a couple of years later, we were together uh, somewhere in Asia. And he talked about how he had been beaten up so bad that when his wife and children came to visit him um, there at prison, they didn't recognize him, could hardly recognize his wow. face because he was so, you know, uh, beat up. And and they felt, his wife and he both felt sad that uh, he, his Kids had to see him. That yeah, way. I mean, they were traumatized uh-huh. to seeing their dad. Right. You know, so he told me more about what he had been through and being tortured and what that was like. And but in the midst of all that, uh, saying he knew Jesus was with him, he said he was. I think it was like two months he was in prison. He couldn't think of a time where he had grown more in his relationship with wow. God than that period in his life. And this was uh, eight or nine years ago. They're both. Serving the Lord uh, with vitality and vision and passion.
0: They haven't backed down. They haven't, and
1: all in fact, they're saying, "I'm going to do it, and come do it too."
0: <laughs> How did that affect you as a leader after you had those conversations? Because I, you know, I think all of us can think about being the leader, and one of your guys is in prison, and you don't know what's going on, and you're worried, and you're stressed, and then you talk to him afterwards, and he says, "Yes, it was terrible. Yes, they beat me. Yes, they tortured me." But Jesus was with me every single day. He was right there all the time, and I grew so much in my faith. How did that affect you going forward? Because you're still sending people to those kind of places where, you know, tomorrow somebody on your team could be arrested. They could be tortured. So what do you draw out of that experience with him that still helps you as a leader today?
1: For one, as I tell the story about talking to each of these people— I can picture exactly where I was with them. You know? I can I remember exactly where You could we were taste the tea you were Exactly. Drinking. <laughs> so it was a probably a memory I'll keep my whole life. Mm-hmm. That person and what that person said. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of conversations I have that I forget about, you know, and people that I might forget about too. Sorry, anybody out there that I might forget <laughs> about? <laughs> but these people, it, there's it's there's something different. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I don't want to experience what they experienced, but maybe if I do, I'll be encouraged. They made it through, mm-hmm. and, and I can make it through. And if I don't survive it, I know there's something even better mm-hmm. up ahead, like my friend, my Somali friend that died. I know where he's at right, right now. Um, so, yeah, I think it that helps strengthen me, for me personally. But you asked, what about other people that I say, yeah, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> well, is is that irresponsible of me to say, yeah, go. Maybe you'll get beat up. Maybe you'll get kicked out of the country. Maybe you'll be killed. Yeah, do it. Why? Because Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have commanded and this is the best part. I'll be with you always, even till the end of the age. So I'll be with you. So that's also what I that's learned the from these. Yep. it is. And and was he with uh, my friend and my friends in prison in Libya? Yes, they said he was, and that made all the difference for them. And also, I, I'd like to add this: there's the absolute guarantee that Jesus will be with us no matter what we go through. And what, no matter what he allows us to go through, that he'll be with us. There's also the aspect of uh, us being part of a family, the family of God. That others care about us. So they'll be praying for us, praying for us back home. Some will be doing their best to get you out of the prison. Some will be, uh, you know, talking to you know government agencies. There, there's a lot that'll happen because you're part of a family that loves you and cares about you, and they're not going to forget. I have another friend. He's been missing for over four years uh, in uh, Western Africa. We still don't know where he is, but he was kidnapped. We we haven't forgotten about him. We're still doing everything we can, and we have the Voice of the Martyrs helping us, constantly helping us to find him mm-hmm. and to do all we can to get him home safely. Over four years, we've been suffering together with that. But it's it's a family thing uh, that, that we're experiencing. Yesterday, I was in the chapel service here, and we we're listening to stories from Africa. And he was showing slides of uh, widows that voice of the martyrs is opening. Here's this person telling her story. Here's uh, this woman telling her story. Here's this woman telling her story. The last photo that was up on the screen as Sean was talking was here's Helen. Here's a little bit of her story. Helen's husband was killed near the border of Kenya. I said, Helen, wait, that's Abdi's wife. They're still helping her. And and is he's, he's saying, and, and we're helping the boys. They have three boys. We're helping them with school. We've been consistently helping Helen, and so he was with Helen just recently in Kenya, face to face with somebody who I haven't seen for I don't know, ten maybe, you know, yeah, at least ten years. I don't. Know. It's been a long time since I've seen Helen. The family is helping. The family of God is helping her, a widow with three boys to raise, whose husband was. Shot dead, helping her not only with her material needs, but here's the love of God in action God hasn't forgotten about you, God cares about you. Oh man, yesterday looking at that picture, I could hardly believe it. I couldn't wait to go over to Sean afterwards and say, I know, Ellen. He said, Oh, right, she was with YWAM. Yes, yes, you're you're our family together. You know, it's not, there's not isolated organizations that, and that we're all doing things yeah. independently no, when we're saying there's one kingdom. That, that's right. <laughs> and we're following the king. We interact with each other in his kingdom. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you for that. Well, even even I want to say to you Todd, thank you for being part of this so that these kind of things are happening.
0: Well, I love telling I love hearing a story like that and I love telling the story when people are going to listen to this conversation, they're going to hear that and that's true. That that's one of the the role that voice of the martyrs plays within the body of Christ is to come alongside that widow and and not for a few months or a few weeks, but to come alongside her and say, hey, no, we're we're with you. We're going to stand with you as long as it takes, as long as you need. Uh, and so I I love I love that we get to to play that role in the body of Christ, and then we get to hear from someone like you mm-hmm. who says, wow, I I knew her, I know mm-hmm. her. Yes. Uh, so what a what a blessing. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Brother Kevin. He is one of the leaders of the YWAM Frontier Missions Area. Kevin, as we finish up, we always want to equip listeners to pray. So as you think about your teams around the world, and we've talked about some of them in very high-risk locations. We talked about your friend who, four years later, we don't know what his situation is. We don't know where he is. There are some real obvious things we can pray with regard to that, but give us kind of a, a a picture of how we can support mm-hmm. YWAM Frontier mm-hmm. Missions through our prayers.
1: What I do is on Fridays. Friday is a special day of prayer, you know, for Muslim people. Mm-hmm. So on Fridays, I remember to pray for the Muslim world. For me, it helps to choose a day. Right. And one thing that has really helped me a lot is uh, on uh, Wednesday mornings and Friday mornings, I don't eat breakfast. So that means I'm hungry in the morning. Hmm. Why am I hungry? Oh, Wednesday, it's my day to remember to pray for Hindu people. Oh, Friday morning, ah, kind of hungry. It's 10 o'clock. Oh, right, pray for Muslim people. It's Friday, pray for people in the uh, Muslim world. So I I would ask you to pray for Hindu people, pray for uh, Muslim people, pray for Buddhist people. They'll come to know Jesus and experience that transformation, them and their families, and then they can reach other families. We have our own ywm Frontier Missions workers among all those groups. And we have people from so many different nationalities. That's one of the things I love about um, our particular family of ywm Frontier Missions is we actually have more people from the non-Western world than we have from the Western world. So please pray for us. You know that most of those uh, of our workers in India would be working among uh Hindu people. Mm -hmm. Pray for our workers uh, in India and South Asia reaching out to uh, Hindu people. We also have many, many workers in other parts of the world reaching out to Muslim people. Buddhist people were praying for something new to emerge there in the Buddhist world, especially Myanmar, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia. Praying for uh, that part of the world, and I can give you a link to a website that uh, provides prayer guides for Hindu people, prayer guides for Buddhist people, and prayer guides for Muslim people. Not only do you uh, get a chance to pray specifically, but you also learn a little bit more about what mm-hmm. uh, what Buddhist people learn and what their lifestyle's like Hindu people. And Muslim people say so you get to appreciate, hey, there are people. I mean, that's the main thing. they are people right. who have families and and jobs and hopes for the future. And But what they don't have is Jesus, who makes all the difference on how to pray for them.
0: Amen. Kevin, it is always fun to hear your passion for the work that God has called you to. I appreciate your leadership within YWAM. I love the fact that we get to partner together for the kingdom. and. Thank you for being back with us on Voice of the Martyrs Radio.
1: You're welcome. It's a real privilege to be here with you guys and to partner this way.
0: And thank you. If you have been listening, if you're just joining us, you're going to want to go to vomradio.net and listen to this conversation again. We'll also have some links to some of the websites that we have talked about today. And I would encourage you, send me a note. I would love to know how you pray. Kevin has talked about praying for Muslims on Friday, praying for Hindus on Wednesday. What do you do to remind yourself to pray for God's work around the world and to pray for the lost to come to know Christ? At vomradio.net, there's a spot near the bottom of the page. You can just write me a note. There's a phone number. You can leave me a voicemail. I would love to hear how you remind yourself or, or what system you use to pray regularly for God's work around the world. And we're going to talk about that work again next week, right here on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. So I hope you'll be back with us next week, right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.